This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. One of the first people that I shared the first draft of the first script with is one of my good friends, Ryan Johnson, who's a writer and director that has done so many things like Knives Out and Star Wars. And uh, I was in his first movie, Brick, and we did uh, his third movie, Looper, together. And he's he's a very good friend of mine and, and such a brilliant artist. When he read the first draft of Mr. Corman, his biggest feedback was, this all feels really great and really grounded, but I, I know you and I know you have this playful streak. You have, you, like, if this is a show you're going to do, are you going to love doing it over and over and over again? Like, what's going to really turn you on? What are you going to have a lot of fun doing? Because I want to see that. I'm your host, Casey Finey, and this is Creative Conversation, a Fast Company podcast. One of the longstanding principles of creativity has always been collaboration, right? We hear it all the time how thinking in groups and getting feedback from others is essential to the creative process. And it might just be me, but I feel like collaboration is something I always hear I should do, but I don't really follow up on it. I think I'm the kind of creative that likes to hold things as close to my chest as possible because I'm sensitive about my work. But I have to say, my conversation with actor and director Joseph Gordon-Levitt was pretty inspiring to me to start to learn to let go a little more. Joseph's career in TV and film spans well over 30 years, and let him tell it, what's kept him going is the collaborative nature of the business. He even started a platform way back in 2004 called Hit Record that's all about creatives from different fields working on different projects together. In our conversation, Joseph details how the collaborative process brings out his best work, most notably in his latest project, Mr. Corman, and how you can jumpstart your own collaborative process. Well, hey, Joe. Hello, may, hello. I, may I call you Joe or is it Joseph? <laughs> oh, I'm really not picky. Joe, Joseph, Joey, Giuseppe, Jose, <laughs> Yossel, whatever. Uh, all of the above. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm really <laughs> excited to talk to you. So thank you for joining me. And, thank you. you know, I always love to start from the beginning with my guests. And so I want to ask, I mean, what was that initial connection to acting that pulled you in at such a young age? Because you've been you've been in the business for what, like well over 30 years now. Like it's been, it's been, it's been a while, <laughs> yeah. not, not to age you, but yeah, no, uh, it's but, like, yeah, right. Cause I'm, I just turned 40 and I started, uh, I did my first job when I was six. So what's that? Yeah. 34 years. Oh my right? God. So I mean, what um, pulled you in? Like, what was that interest that, that really made you say like, this is something I, I think I want to do. I had this really great music teacher. I, think that a good teacher is just about this is you know we're gonna we're here to talk about mr corman when i play a teacher mm-hmm. i just think teachers are the, some of the biggest heroes in the world but one of the first teachers i i remember was this music teacher her name was miss karen um and uh she taught uh, a choir i was in this like kids choir and she also taught piano lessons and then she started teaching these musical theater like community theater classes where kids were putting on plays like you know guys and dolls and peter pan and musicals like that and i just always really loved miss karen's class probably a lot because of her because she just made it really fun because she she made it fun but she also took it seriously enough she didn't talk down to us 
She didn't just let us goof off. She wanted us to try hard. And to me, that sweet spot of making it fun, but also taking it seriously enough is like, that's, that's where I kick into my flow state. And I, I, I think in her classes were some of the first times that was happening. And I just always loved it. I loved performing and acting and stuff in Miss Karen's class. When you think back to those early years, I mean, what were some of those lessons that you learned that have, you know, sort of laid the foundation for where you are now as an actor? Sure. Well, like one of the things I remember loving when I first got on a set was the kind of team aspect of it. Um, I apologize if you can hear my voice. Totally fine. <laughs> in the, background there. Um, the, the team aspect of it that I'm, I'm here with like a hundred other people and we all have our jobs to do and we're all trying to get this thing done. And if any of us fall down on our jobs, then we all have to do it again. So we all have to be on it. And that's whether it's, you know, the camera operator, the costume designer, the prop department or the actors, we all have our parts to play here. And uh, I just remember being so thrilled as a little kid to be part of that team of a bunch of other grownups, you know, that they're all relying on me. That just felt really exciting to have that responsibility. And then it's a thrill when I can come through and do something. I know how to do this. I can, I can say these lines. And, and when I do, then I've done my part, just like you're all doing your part. And we all did it together. Like that was always such, such a thrill for me. And, and I think really good for me. Like you hear the horror stories about growing up as a, child actor, you know, being thrust into a position of working as a professional when you're still a kid. And I do think that that those downsides are are real. But there are really great upsides that I would love to see more in education at large of mm. kids working on big projects with high stakes where everyone has to contribute and come together as a team to make something happen. I think that's such a good experience for a kid to have versus like you do your homework, you get your grade. The person mm. sitting next to you is doing their homework and getting their grade. And the two, you don't have anything to do with each other. That's not how the word really works. That's not how we get things done as a human. Right. Person. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. And it actually reminds me of, you know, your, your company hit record because I mean, it's like mm. the basis of it is all about collaboration. And so, I mean, for those who don't know, because I still think it's it's one of those items in your resume that may get buried because you've done so many like super high level things sure, like sure. like Batman, like Inception. <laughs> so for those who don't know, tell us about Hit Record and how that got started, because it's really fantastic. Sure, yeah. Well, Hit Record, thanks for bringing it up. It's something I care about a lot. I've been doing it for years. It's a community of people online that um, is all about creative collaboration. And like you mentioned, it's, it's all about making things together. So much art and creativity online is kind of competitive. It's like, hey world, look at me and look at what I have done. And on Hit Record, we're always trying to focus around what can we make together? We connect up and do something together that we might not be able to do alone. And uh, it started a long time ago. My brother helped me set up this little hobby website and the community has just grown and evolved over the years. And you know, now we, uh, you know, there's over a, a million people of our, our registered users in our community. And we actually just yesterday, we got nominated for an Emmy 
We've won two Emmys over the years <laughs> for shows we've made. And, uh, and we always like, for example, we, we send out like the last year we won our second Emmy um, for this show called Create Together. And we sent out certificates that we, you know, contacted the Television Academy and got their permission and made sure that, you know, we could put their official stamp of approval on these certificates that we sent out to thousands of people whose contributions are in the show because we make these things in this very open collaborative way where if you come come to our site or download our app you can see the the projects are all kind of broken down into these steps and anybody can jump in and contribute to one of the steps whether you want to write or make music or draw or take a picture or contribute some video footage or do some editing or do some animation you know some of the steps are more ambitious and takes more skill and experience a lot of the steps are are really for people who like haven't done much art yet before but like we really try to emphasize helping people kind of come out of their shells and dip their toe if they don't necessarily a lot of people say that well i'm not an artist i can't be involved like yeah you can you can do this like try it like try it. get get used to it and then try something harder next time and so it's a really positive community and and been a very meaningful thing for me over the years I've been doing it for so long now and kind of get a break from Hollywood and, and collaborate with just this worldwide community, people all over. We're taking a quick break. And when we're back, Joseph explains how director Ryan Johnson helped him be as weird as he wanted to be with his new show, Mr. Corman. And trust me, I've seen it. It gets weird. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Before we get into Mr. Corman, which you write, direct, and star in, I want to talk about your directorial debut, Don John, because I actually re-watched it recently in preparing for this interview. I watched it when it came out, and I loved it, and I was like, I want to revisit this, you know, just, and see if it holds up. <laughs> and so, right, of course, right. that was your, you know, directorial debut in, what, 2013? And, yeah. you know, I, I, before I give my comments, I'm curious to hear from you. I mean, through the lens of where you are now as an artist, I mean, what do you make of a film like Don John? I think when I was making Don John, I knew one of the things I love about acting is playing someone different from myself. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I wanted to play a character that was really different from me that other people might not think of me as that yeah. you know, I wouldn't usually get cast as that person. And that was a challenge that was intriguing to me. And also, you know, the the origin of, of that story had to do with something I think about a great deal, which is the media and how media impacts how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's something I've thought about my whole life because ever since I was a little kid and I was in this rarefied position to be on TV, that would change how people related to me. Mm. They, you know, when I would go to school, people would say, oh, you're the kid on TV, or you're the kid, you know, you were in that commercial, or you're in Angels in the Outfield, and, and relate to me differently, therefore. And, and then, of course, I had my close friends who didn't really see me that way, because I guess they got to know me beyond that. But um, it was always something that I've just spent a lot of time thinking about, like, how does the media that we watch change how we see people. And I always sort of felt like, man, sometimes, oftentimes, when people see, get to first get to know me, first meet me, they don't see me as like 
a quote unquote normal person. They see me as like, oh, you're that thing that I've seen on the screen. That thing. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to complain about it. Like, like I said, I'm very grateful and lucky to get to do the things I do, but it is like a strange thing that, that happens that I've experienced ever since I was a kid. And so, um, I always sort of saw a connection between how people relate to actors and how people relate to pornography. <laughs> um, that pornography is sort of, if you extremize it, it's like that sort of, yeah. you know, the way that we all include myself watch pornography. We're not thinking of the, the people on screen who are having sex. We're not thinking about who they are as a person. Yeah, right. We just see them as things for our pleasure mm -hmm. so i i actually thought that that served as a really great metaphor not just for how people view actors but kind of how people view everybody in a way and their the whole lives and worlds and so i wanted to sort of portray a character who everything is not like he never he never really considers someone else as a whole person mm. everybody in his life whether it's the the women in his love life or it's his buddies or it's his family or whoever it is they're a thing to him mm -hmm. and that was sort of the the thinking behind don john and so and that's you know and i ended up kind of making up this character like i also am just a fan of the of the old moliere don juan right. play and sort of like made and and don john's not really a close adaptation of that play that play ends in tragedy. This is a, like you said, an unconventional romantic comedy, but sort of like who would a, a Don Juan be today? And I like the idea that well, he'd be addicted to porn yeah. and, um, <laughs> and treating people like that, right. treating everybody like a thing that, that he sees on a screen that's there for his consumption, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to a, a whole person with a, that's just as much of a person as he is. And, and then I wanted to, of course, like make it so that he grows a bit and learns. Whereas in the original Moliere, Don Juan, uh, he doesn't learn. He, Not at he all. He suffers a tragedy <laughs> and he dies again. <laughs> Because Mr. Corman is, I've I've only seen uh, the the six episodes that they, that they sent me, but it is so fantastic. That's cool. You got to watch six episodes. Oh my great. god, it's so good. Like I feel oh, like. Thanks, man. No, 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 I'm no, I'm being, I'm being very, very it's still honest. New for me, like you're not, not very. I haven't talked to very many people oh. that have seen it, you know. So this is still like a really new experience for me. I'm really happy you liked it. Thank I know because I mean, for, first of all, the story is incredibly relatable. As a thirty-something myself, often feeling a bit lost in a way, um, mm -hmm. and you know, you 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 often question why you feel because you you have everything that you know. You have a roof over your head. You have a job. You have this, but like where why am i still anxious why am i still unhappy and so there's there's a lot that i personally relate to but mm -hmm. i mean for you where did where did the show even begin for you like where like how because it, it feels personal i don't know you i just met you today and i want to you know impose yeah. anything <laughs> on you but it does feel like a bit it feels a little personal so like where did the story of mr corman start for you yeah it is personal and uh sort of how i said like with don john I was interested in playing a character that was really different from myself. With Mr. Corman, it sort of began with what if I were to play something like very close to myself? 
And I wasn't interested in playing myself, first of all, because uh, I think that would drive me insane um, (laughs) because I like privacy and I don't like the idea of like putting my life on display for, you know, the entertainment of an audience. But even beyond that, I actually don't think that, I don't know, I don't, I don't know that my life would even really make good television show, but it came from me sort of thinking a lot about just the life I live and feeling deeply grateful for where I'm at in my life. I actually just look back at some of my earliest, the earliest notes, the first time I ever wrote down the idea. Uh, it was from 2015, which is the year I first became a dad. And so I think kind of arriving at adulthood in a way you know becoming a dad there's no more of saying butts like up until that i was like am i an adult i don't really know maybe when do you really cross that threshold like but once 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 i became a dad i was like there's just no question i'm the grown-up he's the baby that's Uh, what it is you got your stamp that day yeah yeah, (laughs) dad for sure dad grown-up um but so that that sort of made me reflect a lot on okay so now I'm a grown up. What what is my life? Where have I arrived at? And and I felt so lucky and continue to feel so, so lucky and grateful. I have a partner that I love deeply. We have our kids. I have two parents who are uh, nurturing and positive. I like you said, I, I get to do work that I care about. I uh, am healthy. I'm safe. I have enough money. All like I have so so many things to be grateful for, and I really do think that like and we talked about this a minute ago. I I think a lot of those things do come down to luck. I mean, I could have just as easily not run into Tasha, you mm. know. Like maybe we wouldn't have met. I have I have friends who are like lovely people, yeah, who just haven't met their partner yet. They yeah. just haven't met them yet, you know. And uh. <clears throat> Or what if, you know, instead of two incredible parents, what if I had one great parent and one who was more of a problem? Like right. that that could have just as easily happened as well. And, you know, or what if, like we were talking about with show business, I, I know so many great artists, talented artists who've worked very, very hard, who don't get to do it for a living the way that I do. I think a lot of it has to do, you know, I just, I, I did get lucky to some degree. And, and so, you know, starting to think about like, well, what would my life be if there were a few of these differences? And that's where this character came about. You know, his, his name is Josh Corman instead of Joseph Gordon, but he's, and he's a lot like me. He walks and talks like me. He's from where I'm from. He went to high school where I went to high school. He thinks a lot of the same ways that I think he likes a lot of the same things that I like, but there are these differences. And that was sort of the beginning is kind of that self-reflection and thought experiment that led to coming up with this character. And uh, I always thought that if, if I didn't get to do what I'm doing in show business, that teaching is something I would really love doing. And uh, so he's, he teaches fifth grade at a, at a public school in the Valley where I grew up. And um, yeah, that, that was sort of the, the origin of, of the show. And you brought up luck a few times, and I'm, I wonder, do you ever feel guilty for the luck that you've had? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm asking from a very personal place because, you know, as 
my career in journalism. I, I, I moved to New York in 2008 to pursue a career in journalism. And as we all remember, the country was just falling to utter shit and everything was mm. magazines are folding everything. And I've never been without a job while so many people have like lost mm. every, there's never been a gap. I think the longest mm. I went without a job was like three days. And I found one like instantly because a magazine I was working at folded I found another job down the hall. And so I feel like there's there's a part of me that as as you're saying, you know, you're a part a of it is luck. Like, so well, not, I mean, but surprised. but no, that's the thing. I feel like it's it's one of those it's a feeling where there's a million great interviewers and it's like you I I sometimes fall into that mindset of myself just wondering like is like how much of it is dumb luck and how much of it is actual talent. And so and a part of me does feel guilty sometimes because even during the pandemic like i wound up i still have this fantastic full-time job and i wound up having like two really high profile freelance gigs that just came out of nowhere i wasn't looking for them they just fell in my lap and so i do kind of feel guilty and so asking for a friend the friend that is me (laughs) um, how do you deal with that with that with with that guild yeah i i mean part of it i think is focusing on gratitude and doing my best to not take for granted the good luck that I've had. And I can't say that I succeed in that in every moment, but I really try to keep it front of mind. Both my partner and I, we talk about it all the time of mm-hmm. being grateful and, and feeling lucky. And I think even just saying it often is good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and it's no coincidence. I wrote a show all about how, like there could be a different version of me that is, you know, leading a different life just largely because of different love. And I guess, I don't know. I I, I like to think that I try to, I try to be helpful to, to other people. You know, I, I can't claim that I'm like perfectly altruistic or anything. If, if I were perfectly altruistic, I probably wouldn't be working in show business. I know you would not. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but I, you know, I try to do what I can to, to be some kind of positive influence on, on other people. And, you know, that's a lot of, I think a lot of what hit record is for Mm -hmm. me. And it's funny to frame it in terms of your question of guilt. But I think (laughs) if I'm really honest, there is some of that, there's some amount of me feeling like, man, why do I get to do all this? There's so many people out there who would love to be doing the things that I'm doing and he record is a way that I'm like, well, all right, well, let's, let's all like, let's all do some stuff together. And it's not, you know, it's, I won't say that, that guilt drives it, but like, I do think there's some component of that. It's also beyond the guilt. I find it just like really fun and, and, and like kind of nourishing for my soul and meaningful and uplifting to, to do the projects that we do right. these collaborative hit record projects. But yeah, the, what you're talking about is, is definitely part of it. Yeah. And you know, sorry to derail with the conversation of guilt, but I just had to ask that one question. Oh, I think that's a fascinating <laughs> question. And that's very pertinent to Mr. Corman. Yeah. And by the way, here's the thing. I'm describing him as someone who's had, you know, some strokes of luck that that put him in a position that uh, might, you know, one might say is like less desirable than mine, I guess yeah. you could say, if you're being if you're being judgmental or something about it. But here's the thing. Josh Corman has so much to be grateful for too. No. <laughs> he he has so much to be grateful for. Right. He he has a steady job. He has a like he has somewhere to live. He's safe. He's healthy. He has a lot of advantages and a lot to be grateful for. And and he doesn't always feel that way too. So you know there's always someone you can point to 
where you're like, ah, oh, they, they, they've got it better than me. They're luckier than I am, or they made the right decisions when I made the wrong ones, or like they're doing better, or they're higher on the totem pole, or whatever. You can always point to someone, and I certainly can. I don't, you know, I try not to spend my time doing that, but I'd be, I'd be lying if I, if I told you that I never, I never fall down that kind of rabbit hole of thinking. Of course. Of course. And, um, you know, all of us, if anybody out there who's has the, <laughs> has the means to be listening to a fast company podcast probably <laughs> has a lot to be grateful for Dude, that a lot of people in the world don't. You know? If you say so, I'll take, oh yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> but I mean, one, uh, the one thing that I, outside of just the, the subject matter of Mr. Corman, the other part that I really enjoy are these fantastical touches throughout throughout the show i mean not i don't want to ruin anything for people because i want people to really enjoy it but i mean there's a musical number there's like this insane fight sequence and so i mean all all that all takes place in a in a pretty i know it's a comedy but it's it's pretty heavy at some points and so i i mean what what was behind some of those creative choices like why why take this show to that almost surreal level at sometimes like what what was the thinking behind that that's just th those are some of my favorite things to do and i mean what I always try to focus on with Mr. Corman is making it feel real. And to me, life, if you're talking about what real life feels like, sometimes real life feels like that. Some, like sometimes a, a old fashioned song and dance or a bizarro fight sequence are the only ways to really capture how life can really feel. Cause sometimes life does feel larger than life. It, it feels that way sometimes. And, um, I actually remember, it's funny, one of the first people that I shared the first draft of the first script with is one of my good friends, Ryan Johnson, who's mm -hmm. a you know, writer and director that has done so many things like Knives Out and Star Wars. And uh, I was in his first movie, Brick, and we did uh, his third movie, Looper, together. And he's he's a very good friend of mine and, and such a brilliant artist. And uh, when he read the first draft of... Mr. Corman, his biggest feedback was, this all feels really great and really grounded, but I, I know you and I know you have, you have like this playful streak. You mm. have, you like, if this is a show you're going to do, are you going to love doing it over and over and over again? Like mm. what's going to really turn you on? What are you going to have a lot of fun doing? Cause I want to see that. And that's um, a great note. <laughs> and he was, there was such a great piece of feedback and I started kind of peppering in weirder things that, <laughs> that, cause that's my taste of like, Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. If I'm making the show, well then this could happen and that could happen. We could do this. We could do that. And once once uh once those floodgates opened the the possibilities just felt endless and i i love i love those sequences your time and i'm glad you enjoyed them they, they were so much fun to make and uh i'm really proud of them i bet and so you know i love i love to close out the podcast always with the same question because i'm just it it, it tickles me when i hear all everyone's different answers but at this point in your career how have you come to define creativity it can mean so many things, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing that that I try to try to focus on the most is a feeling mm. that I get sometimes when I'm in the middle of it, when I'm like really in the zone and doing the thing, whatever it is, um, whether it's acting, like when they 
you know, when cameras start rolling and you're going and you're in the scene, um, or if it's writing and I'm like just in the thick of the, the train of thought and really thinking about it and like having an idea or deciding that that idea is bad or that whole wrestling match when I'm just really in it, whatever it is, or I could be sitting there like, you know, just strumming the same three chords on a guitar, not doing anything productive at all, but just kind of in the middle of just doing that. Whatever it takes, I have different ways that get me to this feeling, but that's the feeling for me that I care the most about that makes me the happiest. If I have a day where I got to have that feeling, it's a good day. And being creative is the way that I get to have that feeling. I also have it other times in, in my family life and as a dad, but that's a separate question. And there's lots of creativity to parenting. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that feeling, you know, you can call it like flow. There's a science here that, and I'm, I'm not a neuroscientist, but you could read a great book called Flow, which is all about mm -hmm. this feeling. And different people arrive at it different ways. There's another movie I recommend. It's a documentary called Happiness. It was made oh, yeah. by a friend of mine uh, named Rocco Bellic. Really, like, kind of short, simple, great documentary about positive psychology and, like, mm -hmm. how, how people arrive at, at this feeling. Right. But, yeah, to me, to answer your question as precise a way as possible, how would I define creativity? It's that feeling. Ah, I Thanks. love that. Joe, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate yeah. it. This was, this thank was you. Thank wonderful. As always, thanks for listening to Creative Conversation. And don't be shy in reaching out with any feedback or even guest ideas for the show. I'm pretty easy to find on Twitter. My handle is Casey Finey. That's K-C-I-F-E-A-N-Y-I. Or leave a comment in the review section of the podcast page wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you soon.